You are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe. Hello, I'm Eric Lawler. You are very welcome to episode 29 of House of Football. We are delighted to be joined in studio with my brother from another mother, Alan Cawley. Great to see you again, Al. Thanks, Eric. And to my left, making his debut on House of Football podcast today, it is the internet sensation. That is Chris <laughs> O'Gara from The Gara Show. Chris, you're very welcome to the House of Football. Thank you so much for having me. It's del- We're delighted to have you on. Uh, I'm going to talk about what you do because Al is like, what's he do? And we're going to <laughs> find out now in a couple of minutes. But before we kick off the chat with Chris, I want to ask you, Al, you were over in Kenilworth Road I was at the a, weekend home from home Eric yeah, you yeah. Said it, it felt like a League of Ireland ground well that's exactly what it was the capacity is only 10,000 when they called out the attendance I felt I was sitting in Oriel Park or <laughs> Daily Mount or somewhere <laughs> uh, and yeah it was all that old school character kind of um, all the heritage that has gone with Luton over the years and, and they still have held on to that probably the surprise was them getting promoted but now that they're in the Premier League they're trying to slowly change things but it'll be a while I'd say before they do so they still have have that old school ground that when you're walking up through the streets like going up the Daily Mount and you, all you see is the floodlights you can't even see any stands because oh, they're yeah. at the same level as the houses um, and you didn't have to go into someone's gaff to get out the backyard no luckily the enough I didn't but, but even in terms of beforehand um, the access to the players they're just parking up locally the, the players and just walking up into the into the reception area and running through wow. the dressing room Spurs obviously rocked up in this big lavish bus and, <laughs> and which was bigger than the stadium yeah because yeah. <laughs> when I was looking at the streets I was thinking how's this bus even going to get in here they'll have to park three a mile down the road and walk up but um, yeah well, so it was all that and as I say I've been over there as you know or years ago and uh, played in some of those old school grounds so I thought it was lovely because the week before we were obviously at the Spurs Stadium which is phenomenal as everybody knows Isn't that just the, the, the complete yeah. opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. the modern Spurs Super Stadium and Kenilworth Road Unbelievable <laughs> and that's the thing like Spurs Stadium is like Brown Thomas and Kenilworth Road is like <laughs> the hilltop store up, up at the top of the street like you know so um, and that was the comparison but when you're in that like don't get me wrong it's a phenomenal stadium and it at the moment because they're doing well the place is hopping and, and, and a brilliant atmosphere but give me Kenilworth Road any day like I was brought up with all that kind yeah. of stuff and I know football is evolving all the time and the money and the modern grounds and clubs are creating revenue and the bigger stadiums the more tickets to sell I get all that stuff um, but I still love the fact that there's still a little bit of the old school way in the Premier League at the moment obviously I don't think they're going to stay up in the Premier League but I think what they're planning is that to be as competitive as possible wherever they, they manage to be at the end of the season if they were to stay up but even if they go down they're not spending huge money on the squad and putting the club in peril that whatever money they make this year I think they will put into the ground to try and renovate it in some way shape so or setting foundations for the future absolutely yeah. and um, but it was yeah it was it was an experience and the, the, the man in the match uh, Chris was uh, uh, Irish international Chidozi Ogbeni uh, you're, you're obviously an Irish fan you've been yes. to Aviva many times to watch the yes. Irish team and you mentioned even just before the show what Ogbeni brings to a team and the, the fizz he puts into the crowd. No, he's so good. He's just got that spark going forward. He's a player who can take defenders on and like, like I was saying before the podcast here, um, it's it's not very often in the Ireland squad we get a player like that, that kind of talent. So we've got to keep on to him, you know, uh, treat him well and uh, let him play ball. Yeah, just, just show him the love, I suppose. Exactly. I think that's all he leads, isn't it? Just, he's one of them players that get you on the edge of the season. Yeah. The, the Luton fans, you were saying, really have really warmed Yeah, him. we met him beforehand and uh, the little lad got a picture as well. I mean, he's a lovely lad. Benny, obviously, the little fella got a picture with everybody. He got a picture with everyone. <laughs> he actually got a picture with everyone. We come to that, I'm I sure. I love that. But, um, but yeah, we met uh, Chidozi before the match and just a lovely lad. I had I had known from before, obviously, playing in the league here. Um, 
But then when we were in the, in the ground, obviously, and of course they're up against the Luton and, and you're looking out at areas where maybe they might be strong, but he was the shining light for them. He was absolutely brilliant, Eric. And every time he got the ball, there was a surge in the crowd, like the place lifted and um, he played on the left in the first half. Oh, so he was going up against Porro, was he? Yeah, and he, yeah. and he caused all sorts of problems down the left in the first half. Then they switched him over to the right in the second half and again, something similar. They were down to 10 men. So he found himself... In a lot of space as well. He got a lot of ball. Put in a brilliant ball just after half time. Oh, what a sir. Adebayo should have scored. Mm. Um, and that was almost the story of the game, Eric. That Luton huffed and puffed. And, and there was an energy about them in the crowd and all. But they just lack quality at the top end of the pitch. And, yeah. and that's where there is going to be their downfall. And one moment the magic at the other end of the pitch with Madison. And it's a goal. And that's the yeah. difference. There we go, Madison. You had to get Madison in somewhere <laughs> on the podcast. And we met him, man. And the young fella got a photo. I saw that. Yeah, I, I was sorry. I was uh, just to just to point out. I was down in Galway on Saturday for the semi-final bows in Galway, and I texted Al because I thought you might be working for RTE. Saying, "Are you at this match?" And he went, "No, with my two favourites." And he sent me a picture of his son <laughs> and Youngman's son at Kenilworth Road. So yeah, that's uh, he did. He met and he was lovely. Madison got a photo. They were all we passed the Coglu. Uh, Crouchy Crouchy wanted me to do the, the broadcast with TNT but I says no I'm, I'm here on a day off oh, leave no me <laughs> but we met them all yeah they were all and it's so accessible this is the thing Eric and that's what I'm saying about a home from home we went to Turner's Cross to do the match on Sunday and it was like felt the same yeah no difference whatsoever felt, felt very much the same in amongst the crowd chatting to the people chatting to the fans brilliant um Chris, I know you're... Uh, come here, just, this, this is where we're going to start delving into what you do, right? Because okay. uh, I'm really fascinated about this. You're involved in esports. You're a, like a, a content creator for... for, for not, what's it called? Not FIFA now. It's, not, it's EA Sports. EAFC, yeah. EAFC, there you go. Um, but also, this is the mad thing. You you were signed by Norwich as a content creator. Like, yeah. can you explain to me how that happens, Chris? What, what, what goes on there? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I've been in the content creation game for a while. It involves, like, live streaming, making videos on YouTube, and just having a presence on social media. And, yeah, just, I, I was live streaming for a while. Um, things were going well. And then, yeah, just one day, um, uh, I was working with an agency, and they texted me, and they said, hey, um, North City uh, have an esports organization. They're starting up, and they're looking for a content creator, and they'd love to get you involved. And I'm like, wow. All right, uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of a big deal. I'm like, you know, because, you, you know, even in, in Ireland right now, the content creation scene, as you guys are obviously aware, because it's probably a new industry to you guys, hearing about live streaming and all that kind of crack. Um, it's not, we don't really get that many experiences like that here. Like a lot of content creators here are still on the way up. So getting an approach like that from, they were a Premier League club at, at the time. I'm like, wow, this is insane. So yeah, I uh, went in, got the contract signed and uh, yeah, it's, it's been So what does fantastic. that involve now, Chris? What, what so you're with Norwich now? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, well. So I, I had vision, you know, like how do you even get scouted for that stuff? I of club scouts walking around people's gaffs going into their bedroom and all going, well, he looks pretty nifty with the old controller there. Now. <laughs> Big load of blokes in, in the bedroom of sheepskin jackets looking at you going, no, he's pretty tasty. <laughs> I tell you, yeah, I tell you, two, two lads in, in black suit sunglasses came to the door to sign the contract. Um, but no, yeah, no, crazy experience. And um, yeah, look, blessed to be in a situation to, to make it happen. And yeah, so what I do with them is um, they have... Um, an esports organization called 1J Esports, 1J being the um, the postcode for the stadium. Um, and they do content based around the EAFC game, or formerly known as FIFA. And um, yeah, so I make content for them. I do voiceovers, commentary. Um, if they have any events, I get involved with them. 
Um, they do a charity match every year as well, which I'm involved with. So um, when you say events, they're Norwich City specific events. Um, mainly with the with the esports side of it. Okay, so if sorry. they're doing like events online regarding EAFC, so a lot of the stuff regarding the video game side, they throw to the esports side of it. If that makes sense. Right. Um, but then I, I, I once or twice I've gotten the pleasure to, uh, well, a few times to work with the players and to do like like reveals for like their cards in the new FIFA game. So that oh, big, sh- that big launch that was on last week. Was that last week? Uh, it was... Well, no, the was, League of Ireland one was last week. Okay. There was a couple of weeks ago, uh, some of the guys did some recordings with uh, the Norwich players. But yeah, no, it's... So you'd have to go up to Norwich to carry oh, on. I, I'm over there all the time, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever meet Daly Smith? Um, not yet, actually. No, 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 like, no, no, no I haven't. That's a Chris come No, no, no. But yeah, no, I've, I've had a couple of pleasures as well. Actually, last year, uh, one of the biggest experiences I've got to do was it was so sick. Um, I flew over to Florida with the team. They were doing a, a winter camp uh, over there because the weather wow. was still good. So Notice were, we're doing a winter t- camp in Florida. Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> How times have changed. Uh, <laughs> 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 I always be looking to do a winter camp and break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was crazy. Got to go over there. I uh, got to meet all the players. Um, well, obviously, I met them already, but got to hang out with them. And um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. So we were doing kind of um, content for the game over there. And they were doing, obviously, the training and stuff. And yeah, it was fantastic. A couple of Irish players there as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Ida, uh, Amob Amadele as well. Yeah. He was there at the time. And um, Shane yeah. Duffy now, obviously. Yeah, oh, yeah Duffy yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so, uh, who, who, who's your team, though? Who, who do you support? Who do, like, oh, obviously, obviously, Norwich now. But who did you support before Norwich um, won your affections? Man City is my team. Man City, right. Yeah, That's yeah. the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. know. It, it never goes down well. It never does. It never does. It were, never you, were, does. You, were you a bona fide City fan or were you just jumping on the... Um, so back in the day, um, I used to watch a lot of Spanish football. Uh, I was just encapsulated by like like Messi, Sammy Eto, that's quite back in the day. Um, so yeah, I used to watch a lot of them and my mates in school were always giving me, giving me the old edge being like, oh, here man, support a Premier League club because we can't talk to you. And I'm like... Okay then, so I was, I was looking at clubs, my, my dad was a United fan, but at the time, because I watched Barcelona play so much, I was like, Barcelona win everything, yeah. and United were, were winning everything, and I was like, I don't want to support a team who's just winning everything, because it's, it's, it's boring, I was like, I want to support a team who, who's not winning everything. Who's about to win everything. And, <laughs> well, listen, listen, did me research, I did me research, alright? Was it the Guardiola factor that swung you? Oh, yes, no, way, way earlier than that now, to be honest, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I seen that uh, they were getting investment, and I was like, I was like right, let's simplify this, favourite colour is blue. Dad supported United. I was like, okay, City are like, I think they were like 10th or 12th in the league previously. And yeah. I was like, okay, th- these are going to hit and miss. They might sign one or two good players. Let's see what happens. Mm. And, and made the, right the, rest, the rest is history. <laughs> the rest oh my God, he's going to get chills every time I get that. Uh, <laughs> my mates every day, yeah, oil club, follow the money. I get it all the time. So anything you have, lads, throw it at me. I'm well equipped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, one, one of the lads who works here, Connor, is a Newcastle fan, but he's a genuine Newcastle fan. Okay. And now he's getting stick pain. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, this is Saudi. So garbage going, no, I've been a Newcastle fan through all the misery. He was there so, from day one. Yeah. Yeah. So he deserves it. <laughs> he deserves it. Good man, Connor. Um, right, so I mean, we might as well start with City. City and Arsenal was the biggest game of the ma- uh, of the weekend. Yeah. Um, another defeat for City. Like, I know that sounds. You sound very excited there. I sound <laughs> very excited. Almost you know, happy. I'm excited at the prospect that we might have a title race this year, Chris. That's all I'm excited about. Um, it was their second league defeat in a row, their third domestic defeat in a row when you take in the Carabao Cup defeat yeah. to Newcastle. Um, is there a little bit of a crisis happening at City? Not sure if it's a crisis, but it's definitely a wobble. A hundred percent, Eric. Um, and to be fair to Guardiola, he kind of preempted this two, three, four weeks ago, and people were laughing at him when he was coming out with the stuff about saying I might have to put myself on the bench and a couple of young lads and all. So he was obviously aware that the, the injuries were stacking up. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like anything: if you're losing your two best players, no matter how good you are, 
Like it's hard to deal with. So no De Bruyne and in these three games in particular, no Rodri. And Rodri and the stats back it up. I think it's 15 out of 67 games they've lost when he started. Um, And the games that he's missed have lost 5 and 15. So that is an unbelievable stat. And it's probably even more now because these two games have been added on to it as well. Um, So people will always focus on De Bruyne and Haaland as being their main players, obviously because they score the goals and De Bruyne creates them. But Rodri makes the whole thing function and tick. And when he's not there, um, which is evident in those stats, obviously it's, it's a massive blow for them. Calvin Phillips was brought in when he signed as a potential replacement or whatever. He's not even getting a look in when Rodri's not playing. Yeah. So it just goes to show you what Guardiola thinks of him. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a wobble. It's probably, Gary Neville mentioned the weekend, a bit of a hangover from the treble, which I think is a factor as well. That's that's kind of mm. uh, was always going to happen. And if you look at the team that played Arsenal at the weekend compares to the team that maybe finished when they won the league and won the Champions League, there was no Rodri, there was no Stones, there was no De Bruyne, there was no Grealish. Four or five fellas that were mainstays last year uh, weren't obviously playing at the weekend as well and haven't played in the last couple of games, which I think is always going to be a factor no matter how good you are if you're missing your best players. So... I did say Arsenal would put it up to them this year, Eric, and I think we're seeing that as well. And I think in the game at the weekend, which wasn't a brilliant game when you consider the quality on both sides that was on the pitch, uh, it was scrappy affair, intense. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the biggest thing, it was massive that Arsenal got over the line and got the win. No matter how they did it, just get the win because I think the stats said the last 12 games they had lost to Premier, to, in the Premier League to Man City. So psychologically alone, it was massive for, for Arteta. Whilst the players were missing as well, that he got that victory, got one over them, going into the international break on a high as well. They can come back now, huge confidence, probably rest Saka for two or three weeks, which if he's not involved with England, it's a good opportunity to rest him as well. Yeah, and it's, it bodes well for Arsenal going forward. Chris, uh, as a Man City fan, would you be worried? Or is it just a blip? Yeah, I mean, look, it's... I mean, um, as we just said there, it's the injuries definitely taking their place here. Um, Rodri being absolutely the engine of the team for the last year. Obviously, he had his standout moments um, as well. But yeah, he's just... He's so consistent in... in in our success and with De Bruyne as well moving forward um, apart from you know you'd say De Bruyne gets assists and he helps Haaland out as well he helps the play move forward and it's so it's so important for the City squad one thing we couldn't do against Arsenal was we just didn't have that attacking presence we were lobbing balls into the box a couple of small chances nothing major um, and there was no cut and thrust about them I felt no you know, no it was very laboured and slow it and was and bear in mind no, Arsenal did a fantastic job defending they had a lot of men behind the ball they knew what they needed to do City always played a possession style so they're going to try to hold the ball and you know pick their moments but uh, they couldn't find enough moments uh, and Arsenal uh, ended up capitalising bit of a jammy goal I'm not going to lie I was yeah. watching that game live with my community and I was, oh, was heartbroken <laughs> I was like you know what take, take, the, take the draw if I need it and then yeah, and I think he would have taken the draw at that stage Guardiola yeah. and got out and says that's fine but um, as I said no matter how the goal came for Arsenal it was just so important that they got the victory and it was obviously fortunate with the deflection but it was massive massive uh, for them to get that victory I would never doubt Manchester City being a Manchester United fan but I've learned that lesson a long 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 time ago but when you look at City's next uh, six Premier League games they've got Brighton Man United, which is a pretty handy one for them. Chelsea, <laughs> Liverpool and Spurs mm. in their next six Premier League games. And, 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 and in between all that, you've got Champions League games as well. Yeah. Is there anything to be worried about there, Chris, potentially? Yes, just, yeah. yes, there is. A lot of, lot of um, clubs there inside, uh, inside the top, top group. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I love the way you said United are in the top group there. Well, okay, but, yeah. I said a lot of clubs, a lot. <laughs> all right, not all. Most not of them. all. Most of them. I'd be proud of you for saying that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 going to be difficult. Um, I don't know what Guardiola needs to do, but um, well, you will yeah. get Rodri back anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. We will, we will. It's just I hope that we get that more attacking side of play back. We we have more chances created and not rely solely on just the holding possession and kind of slowing down the play. And Arsenal did a great job defending, but other clubs are going to catch on to that. They're going to start throwing men behind the ball again and we don't want to run to that situation again. Um, I mean, even Guardiola seemed a little bit spiky in his post-match. He was. (laughs) What did he say? Maybe we need to go a little bit behind in the league for our contenders after what happened in the past. (laughs) 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 I'm in bad mood, Pep. (laughs) No pep in your step. (laughs) uh, (laughs) We'll just stop. (laughs) uh, Anyway, I shouldn't be laughing at Manchester City when I follow Manchester United. Let's go straight to Manchester United. My God. Listen, as I said, I was down in Galway. I wasn't even remotely interested in the Premier League that day because it was all about supporting Bowes and the FA Cup semi-final which we won 1-0 playing the Aviva Stadium November 12th can't wait against Pats big crowd let's go um, anyway <laughs> uh, I can't uh, the, I was so I was grossed in that game and then I knew you, I was aware that United were losing 1-0 to Brentford I was like oh for God's sake typical anyway back to the match engrossing it engrossing it and then I was I was driving back to Dublin straight after the match because I had a gig in Dublin that night um, and I'm, I, I looked at my phone and me, me, my son had texted me saying McTominay injury time and I went oh brilliant at least we got a point and then it was about an hour into the drive back home I was listening to I think it was Des Cal and he went so do you think those two injury goals two injury time goals for United were papering over the cracks and I went two yes. what we won <laughs> <laughs> we won and it was like what a day Bowes into the cup final and United doing a Fergie time you know a lot of people are making a big deal out of the fact that you know God rest her soul Cathy Ferguson yeah. passed away Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, usually supportive wife and it was people were saying it was almost poignant that McTominay scored two goals in Fergie time yeah. at yeah. Old Trafford someone said to me at least the clock is fixed in Old Trafford <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's um, just in terms of well two things really from Ten Hag's point of view the pressure was mounting Eric and obviously they were going through such a bad run and as you says you looked at the phone and it's 1-0 to Brentford and it's almost here we go again um, so for him to get the victory especially in the manner that it came, but just to get the victory alone, I think it's massive just for him to give allow him a bit of breathing space. Obviously, it's always the point I made there about Arsenal getting the goal and then going into that international break, feeling we're ahead and we got the win and all, whereas it's doom and gloom if you lose and you, you have two weeks to rectify, you're having to wait till all the players come back. So there's that cloud hanging over you and you could imagine how big the cloud would have been hanging over Old Trafford had they yeah. got beaten again. Um and as I say, the pressure would have mounted massively on Ten Hag. Even though I don't think he's... I think there's a few problems, but I don't think he's the biggest one. Yeah. But just in terms of uh, getting that victory for him was massive. McTominay as well, and we've mentioned him a few times, Eric. I, I like McTominay. Yes, I, I like. always have. Good, honest lad. Um, has done great with Scotland in recent times. Obviously, Ten Hag doesn't see him um, for whatever reason as part of that midfield three or four, whatever formation that he plays. But I think there is a role for him. And I think that role is... Being that squad player coming on in the odd game, making the impact like he did at the weekend, or playing in League Cup games, FA Cup games, stuff like that, um, because of the amount of games that they have, I do think there's a role for him somewhere and a good fella to have around the squad. And it's almost ironic when you hear all these issues and problems with players' attitudes, yet here's a lad who's a really good lad. Run through a brick wall for you. A great attitude, yet Ten Hag doesn't for what want to... You know, so for I me, think, I think with Ten Hag, I think he probably does rate him in that you know, when West Ham came in, they offered 30 million mm. and he went, no chance, mm. 45 million minimum. So he does see him yeah. as a player with ability, but probably going into this season thought he wasn't going to be able to start every game. And that's why. Yeah. Was, and I, and, mm. I, and as I say, I don't see him as a solution long term or, or the, one of the players that if you play him every week, we're going to topple a Man City or Arsenal or get above them. 
I don't think he's that good. Um, and Man United need top quality players if they're ever going to get close to Arsenal and Man City. So I don't see him at that level. But in terms of a role at the club and, and part of his squad, and you do need a squad now, I would have him absolutely 100, 100% as part of that squad. So it was great to see him coming on. He's obviously had to bide his time this season. It's been difficult for him. Um, he probably felt as though he was on his way out of the club and probably wanted to get out just to play games. But as I say, he, it just goes to show it's a reflection on him of his professionalism that he keeps himself in good nick, doing well at Scotland. And to come on to have that moment was absolutely brilliant for him. So it was a massive win, massive. And I was still on another player who was linked with a move, uh, the much maligned Harry Maguire. He mm-hmm. got the assist in the end and yeah. had a very solid game. So I was kind of really delighted for him as well. He had his first happy moment in the Manchester United jersey yeah, in a long, been a long, long time. time coming. Yeah, yeah. he's had a tough one for the last yeah. long, long, long time. Like Your men. observations on Man United uh, as a Manchester City fan, uh, Chris, from a distance, and what, what Ten Hag has done at United and where the problems are and where you see them going forward? I mean, it, it's kind of tough to say. I mean, the last couple of weeks I've, um, I've watched some of the United games and it's just... It's, it's very silly mistakes I feel like the squad is making individual errors yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's the lapse of, lapse of judgement or, or what the crack is but um, yeah it just seems very amateur at times like you, yeah. you look at United through the years and you're like this is a, a club forged with success do you know what I mean they have absolute um, tons tons of history and you think at the high level even 2023 now we're talking um, you think that I don't know if, it, if it's management, if it's coaching or whatever, that they get the players on board and all on the same page. And it's just, it seems a bit all over the place. Yeah. Um, uh, even with the likes of Onana coming in, what, what do you, what, what's, your, what's your opinion on Onana? Because I feel like it, it's very easy to, to kind of judge goalkeepers in the first few games. I mean, David De Gea has had as great times, he's had his bad times as well. Yeah. What do you make of Onana? I think with Onana, I think the problem is um, he came in with such a hullabaloo, you know, he's going to completely change the way Manchester United plays bought primarily for his distribution skills. Guardiola waxed lyrical about him before the Champions League final, saying he was Inter Milan's most most uh, influential player mm. because of the, mm. the, the style he plays. Um, the, the goalkeeper position, as we know, is one of those most unforgiving positions. You yeah. make a mistake, everyone knows about it, and you're, 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 you're demonised in the media. Onan, unfortunately, has had three or four of those in a row. And his confidence looks a bit shot. I understand Ten Hag has to rally around him and keep him. You know, I brought him in, so I have to stick by him. And still came out with a comment there last week saying, I still think Onana will be one of the best keepers in the world. We just need to stick with him. He's going through a rocky patch at the moment. Um, I, I'm i not sure about his shot-saving ability. David De Gea was brilliant at shot-stopping. Um, although he he did let in the you know the, the cup final against City yeah. two crap goals well not no, the first goal was the first goal the second, second goal he should have yeah. saved you know what I mean and there was a few of them another goal against West Ham last season where he just trickled in mm. um, Onana's done a couple of that it seems to be though anytime someone gets a shot on target it's a goal mm. he just doesn't seem to be able to stop them uh, what's, your, what's your opinions on Onana? Yeah, I haven't been impressed at all as you say he came in with a lot of noise around him in terms of how good he was and what he's going to do and it was a big statement from Ten Hag to bring him in and get rid of De Gea, even though I felt De Gea was probably coming to that stage. He'd been there a long time, just even freshen it up. Um, but yeah, he certainly hasn't had the impact that they were hoping for. And I would question a lot of, as you says, the distribution stuff is why he was brought in and he's made mistakes doing that. Um, but more importantly, if you're a goalkeeper, you're there to save the ball and, and shot stopping and, and all those things. And he's made a few howlers in that regard as well. So I think it's a big few weeks for him. Like Chris said, it is difficult maybe just adjusting to life for Premier League. He's probably come into a club that there's a lot of um, issues around at the moment as well. And that can be difficult Like it, and, and coming from a different country, just settling in. But I think he needs to up his game or it needs to boil down to that as well. It seems to me as well that 
it, I don't know what it, it's a thing where he's almost trying too hard. Mm. He's like, I really have to. Like, I think there was talk there that he's he said to Ten Hag, "Listen, I might give the African Cup of Nations a miss so that I could stay behind and work hard," which is almost an act of desperation, yeah. if you will, like to you know. But the one thing with a goalkeeper as well, and I look with all the good goalkeepers, you have to be a calming influence as well, so that your back four in front of you that you feel assured that even if they get by us, we've a brilliant goalkeeper, we've a calm and influence there, he'll come out and claim the ball, relieve pressure, all those kind of things. But if you're questioning what's behind you, that feeds into then the fear amongst the, the, the group and the players and the yeah. defence. And I think that's there at the moment, that insecurity about them, that they're looking, thinking, I'm not sure about this fella at the moment, you know. Whereas you look at all the great goalkeepers, they know, the back four know that we have a fella behind us that's going to, even if we get into a tricky situation, he's going to pull one out of the bag for us. He's going to help us in a, in a dodgy moment. Or, uh, but whereas at the moment, any mistake that's been made is being mm. absolutely kind of highlighted 100% because he's letting it in then. So it just feeds into the insecurity around the team. And and like we're obviously talking about him, but there's issues all over the yeah. pitch. It's not just him, you know. There's problems all over and fellas making mistakes. Another another player who's struggling big time at the moment is, uh, is Casemiro. Mm. Um, and you know I'm a massive fan of Casemiro and what a career he's had he's been elite level for so long uh, all those titles with Madrid it was a great had a great season with us last season despite being suspended for half of it um, but I mean if you look at his stats uh, for instance there right he's making uh, fewer interceptions uh, 0.69 per 90 minutes compared with 1.43 last season and 2.17 for Real in the season before that his 2.91 tackles per 90 minutes is down from 3.77. He is winning fewer than half of his duels, according to Soccerman statistics. Is Casemiro a big problem for Manchester United? Massive, because the, the stats don't lie, Eric, and um, your eyes don't lie anyway as well. So when we were watching the games last year, as you said, the influence, you could almost see that influence that he was having, um, just his presence alone, and then obviously backing it up with what he was doing in terms of winning the ball and interceptions and all that. And and again, like the point I make with the goalkeeper, he was that calming influence with all his experience. This year, it's just like he's been exposed. From day one, I remember watching the Wolves game on, Monday, on that Monday night football, and they were just driving through the middle at every opportunity. And that's Wolves doing that to you. And he was the one that was being exploited time after time. And I remember even saying at the time, Al, that uh, looking at Casemiro, since he's joined, you know, I always felt that he needed three or four games to warm up. Because he, he was suspended a couple of times last year. And after the suspension, it would take him three or four games to warm up. And I'd put the Wolves game, the second game down to, I ah, know he'll get better yeah. in game five, he'll be back to elite level. Well, and there's been signs of it where you go, all oh, right, here we go, he's mm. back. And then he just seems to have fallen off. It's again. just like it happens everyone, but it's just the legs and energy. And that's why I was making the point about those games there, particularly the Spurs one, where McTominay should have come on. Again, this, that second half, you know, and just sit in beside him and, and, and basically be that protection for him and be his legs and his energy. You have Ericsson beside him who's no legs and no energy. So you have two of them that mm. are like that. Obviously brilliant on the ball, but the game is even more like even watching the game live at the weekend it's all athleticism and speed and, and fast play it's always important what you do off the ball yeah like they have, you don't have the ball Spurs, Basuma and Saren to cover every blade of grass or it's phenomenal their energy levels Kulisevsky on one side and um, it's just incredible the, the amount of ground even Madison covers ground like and people don't kind of associate that with him so uh, you look at United at the moment and one of the problems as well when you go back through the amount of wastage that's come in with the re- recruitment they never seem to, since Ferguson has gone, they never seem to get the Casemiro 
at 25 in his peak years. They're signing Casemiro, like Pogba, and all these fellas, Sanchez, that... Marquis signings, yeah. Brands yeah. and names, but but not at the peak yeah. of their powers. And that's been a major problem, and that's a bigger picture stuff in terms of the recruitment. But I find that's a major issue with United as well, that, you, that you're not getting the player... and Like, Ar- Arsenal signed Declan Rice. And I've said this no, more times to you, Eric. You sign Rice now, you're getting 10 years out of him at the peak of his powers. And you look at him at the weekend again and the difference that he's made to Arsenal already. Um, and that, that was sticking out a mile for me. He's perfect for what United were crying out for yeah. and looking for. And you get him now and pay 100 million or pay whatever it is at the going rate. And as I say, you're getting him for the next six, seven, eight, nine years. Like. Easily, yeah, you yeah. Know, whereas Casemiro, they've got a good year out of him last year. Now there's question marks left, right and centre about him. And he could be gone next year. Yeah, off to Saudi Arabia. Well, so like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like, and yeah. there's what's that 60 million gone down the drain? Like, and, yeah, and yeah. you'd wonder too, if he was at the peak of his powers, would Real Madrid have let him go? Possibly not. Yeah. You got to ask the question though, right? Like, with United, yes, they're bringing in some players, let's say, past their prime. I think that, that goes without saying. But at the same time, they're still world class players. I mean, you see Ronaldo come in. Uh, he left. You see Casemiro coming in now. There's questions about him. Um, you've ran there as well, obviously, as injuries and all this. But. I, I don't know. You, you, you got to wonder: is is there something behind like some of the infrastructure? Like even what Ronaldo said about when he came back to United, saying mm-hmm. that it was the exact same setup when he when he when he was there in the first place. Yeah. And you you wonder: are they a bit behind the times? Is is something else going on? Like if they're signing Casemiro, like you were saying uh, about having Eriksen beside him, he needs somebody who can chase the ball, who, mm-hmm. who can put pressure on. And you, you think signing somebody like that did did accompany that with with someone who can actually fill that role? So. Once again, it just seems like uh, this organization skills are, I, I don't know, they're, they're not getting the right players in. Or Yeah, I think with the, with the formation that he, lo- he likes to play, he's a manager that wants to dominate the ball. So he's thinking Casemiro, Erickson, we'll have more of the ball. And he, play, he brought Mountain to be the energy, if you like, and be mm. the legs ahead of them. Bruno Fernandes as well. Like I'm not getting into a debate about Bruno Fernandes again. I'd have Madison. Madison any deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but just in terms of that, but what I think he's missing, Ten Hag, is that's okay saying we want to dominate the ball and keep the ball. But it's out of possession is the worry and the danger yeah. for them. And they're being so exploited, Eriksen and Casemiro. And I love Eriksen. He's been a brilliant player. We all know that. And on the ball, again, brilliant. Out of possession. When Wolves are tearing you asunder, that's when you know you have problems. That when you're coming up against Arsenal and, and City and all these teams, you're yeah. saying, like, even Liverpool. Look at, the, look at the, the, the energy and Liverpool have now in the midfield with that yeah. Sabasalai. and so good. It's all pace and strength and power and running and... Salah and Luis Diaz and all these fellas. So um, I have a little bit of sympathy for Ten Hag as well with the injury situation. Like you know, no fullbacks uh, apart from Dallow um, and the two left backs. And he brought Reguilón in mm. to because Shaw's out long term. Reguilón comes in, gets injured, and Amrabat was this signing that they made to bring in to sit alongside Casemiro to provide the legs. the legs. And he's been asked to play out of position. He's been asked to play at left full, but he keeps drifting into the midfield. His natural instinct mm. is to go in the midfield. And there are signs for me and positive signs for me that he will provide the legs in that midfield that might hide a little bit of the the what's the the depreciation mm. of uh, of Casemiro's skill levels like you know what I mean I think Amrabat once he gets into his favorite position there will be an improvement at least that's what I'm hoping um we could spend all day talking about Manchester United but there was other <laughs> Premier League matches on over the weekend and um, we're going to rush through some of the scores uh, I watch a lot of the football over the weekend uh, Brighton 2 Liverpool 2 I watched that game Al and and Chris and you, you mentioned Liverpool, they're full of energy. I thought they were lacking in energy on Sunday. I don't know what it was. I just thought they were a little bit flat. Um, but come here, it's still a good result to go away to Brighton and get a two-all draw. Yeah. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I didn't see it live. We were down in Cork uh, working at the game, but I watched the highlights. And um, 
the disappointment for Liverpool, I think, is when they got their noses in front of 2-1, they shouldn't be letting that slip. Um, and I felt the goal that conceded that Lewis Dunk equaliser was really avoidable and really sloppy. And that's the concern I do have with Liverpool. No one taking charge of that situation at the near post. Robertson kind of half stuck out a leg. McAllister behind him. And before you know it, Dunk's in behind him. And that should be a Matip or a Van Dijk taking charge there at that near post. Um I think Joe Gomez had a tire of time when he came on as well when the, when Trent went off. So defensively has always been my issue with Liverpool because I do think Van Dijk is definitely a yard off where he was. Now where he was was here. He's yeah. kind of there, but there brings you back to he's been brought into the human pack. level. Yeah, yeah. 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 you know. Uh, whereas before that he was like a Ten almost shows. like a machine, like yeah. you know. Um, but again, the point about Liverpool are they're going to score so many goals. And that's going to make, win them so many matches because they're electric going forward. They yeah. really are. Um, and this Sebastian lad, who I've, I've always thought was a great player from seeing him years ago, um, he's had such an impact. And he has that running power in midfield, the ground he covers. I know McAllister made the mistake at the weekend, but he's a great player as well. And Salah's electric, two goals at the weekend. Luis Diaz, Nunes, I know he misses his chances, but he's just a presence, handful, annoying type of centre forward. So um, I do. And the Brighton keeper did And Brighton are very good. He didn't know Nana. I know, and there you go. And that's, <laughs> and that's the problem, Eric, with a lot of them. With, with, they won't change that. The risk and reward. That yeah. is the risk, and they won't. And you're going to lose goals like that from time to time, but they are not will not change because... And this is a point with Onana, which... As you as you said a moment ago about him, um, and and the goalkeeper who it was the foreign lad played at the weekend. It wasn't Jason Steele who was brilliant today. They played against Man United, but Jason Steele I pointed out about the stats about fifty four passes at United, and he was on he was impeccable, yeah. absolutely brilliant. The goalkeeper and. But people don't notice that or they're not really looking at the goalkeeper making passes. Mm. So he could do, every keeper could do 20, 30, 40 passes, nobody notices. One bad pass, bang, it's a goal. Yeah. And it's magnified so much. And that, for all we know, if we're not watching every match, Onana could be making 25 great passes. Yeah. But that one bad one and he's caught out and that yeah. is the problem, obviously. But they won't change doing that in terms of the way they play. Brighton, um, they're all doing it. Even watching Spurs doing it live at the weekend, it's incredible. It's And they're so good at it. The ball comes in, honestly, or the way the game has changed for my time even. The two centre-halves split like that. The two full-backs are coming into the centre. Madison can drop as deep as he wants. Basuma drops. They'll receive the ball anywhere. Even if they're being pressurised, they'll still play the pass. It's like going to Chris, so he bounces it back to you. It's unbelievable the way to play and get themselves out. And it's phenomenal. Like, <laughs> I would love to play in the, in the way the game is played now. Oh, it's hard and scared them stuff. It really is. I'm not sure I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be up for it, to be honest. I'm just hoping. I'm not messing around in the back. Uh, Chris... As a, as a City fan, and you know they've been utterly dominant over the last few years, particularly in the Premier League, and uh, and Arsenal are the you know the big rivals this season. Would you see Liverpool in that bracket as well? Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I feel like um, they're slowly coming into their own. I think Sabasly, um was a part of that missing puzzle piece going forward that they were missing in that midfield, that power. Um, defensively, though, like, like you were saying, it's it's just a bit a bit lacking. But I think the they, they've time to get themselves together here uh, before Christmas, and you know. Um, the one thing that City are good at doing is obviously being consistent throughout the majority of the year. We've had a couple of years we started off slow. Um, it looks like it's going to be one of those years again. But those are the years that teams like Arsenal and Liverpool capitalise on and they get their points where they can. And then come January, February, that's when it becomes interesting. So I definitely see Liverpool in the mix. It should, it should also be remembered that Arsenal have Champions League as well. It's not just City. Yeah. You know? so, I mean, and yeah. that's a problem for them. Yeah. You know, that, that juggling can be hard. Like that's why it's probably a great thing for Spurs not yeah. to be in Europe this season. Yeah, and just, just just the domestic games that come. And in terms of the way they play as well, he's and he's constantly working on that. They're spending the whole week 
analysing opposition and how they're going to play and then implementing what he's going to do. Whereas Arsenal are, you're travelling on Tuesday, playing the game, if it's like whoever, Europe takes all that time on the training pitch away from you. And that's so important as well. If you're getting a free run into your games at the weekend, that has such an impact, just not only in terms of the freshness of the players, mm-hmm. but just that kind of... Um, I suppose, analysis of what the other team are going to bring and what you're going to do to try and counter that. So I don't think they'll win the league. I'm not going to get carried away here with Spurs, right? They won't win the league because the problem, the reason they won't win the league, it's only early days. He's only in the door of the manager. He's had an unbelievable start, unbelievable impact that he's made at the club. But if you lose Son or Madison or Kulisevsky, they don't have the squad at the moment. Like at the weekend, you're bringing on Skip and Ben Davies and lads that have been there, honest pros, but they're not, Elite level. No, look, you yeah. need to. Spurs will need to get to the level of that if you're replacing a son or a Madison that you're bringing on like for like, yeah. if you can get to that stage, you know. So they're not at that, not at that at the moment. Um, and who would have thought even like that you would have Spurs winning games last, that this year with Son going off against Liverpool and getting the win and no Kane. No Kane and Son at the weekend when they're getting, like Son went off as well towards the end. Um, so the team is almost unrecognisable, which is brilliant. The, the biggest standout for me at the weekend was the two at the back. Romero, who I was always mad about, but he was mad and that was the problem. He was actually mad. Too aggressive. Too crazy like yeah. he'd do great things and then bang he'd nail someone and it'd be a red card <laughs> thinking, what is going on this fellow was on the verge of having the best man of the match performance <laughs> he'll ever see and now he's ruined it all by jumping into the crowd like you know he's, he has that he does have that element doesn't he yeah. but he's so calm and composed now even playing out from the back I don't know again is it a calmness with Postacoglu and the influence he's having but he's not doing the mad things he still has the, the nasty the, the streak in him but it's it's win him the ball and, and doing it properly without as I say Elbowing something in the face <laughs> and walking by him. So, and Van de Veen as well, excellent at the weekend. He's had a really good um, impact. So, I don't, they're not going to win the league, but if they were to finish in the Champions League places, which they're fully capable of, and as I mentioned uh, here a couple of weeks ago, Postacoglu strengthens again in, in January. Because I, I think they're only three or four players away from challenging. I think that's how close they are. And again, he's been really good in previous jobs with his recruitment and an eye for a player. And he'll be already pinpointing who he wants to maybe bring in to strengthen. The future is so bright for them. Yeah, your, your impressions on Chris and Ange Ball as, as it is? I mean, yeah, look, it's it's really, really impressive. I think um, definitely what they lack is, is just that bit of squad depth. Um, the extra players to bring on and and yeah you know when 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 Kane left I was thinking oh these could yeah. be in trouble um, but no isn't that probably possibly the best compliment that Ange has that nobody's talking about Harry Kane yeah you know? no he, he kind of left and I think the everything's kind of moved on do you know what yeah. I mean there's no kind of missed left over which which is good for Tottenham obviously yeah. so um, no he mentioned Harry Kane at the weekend was from the Luton fans oh really he left cause you're shit <laughs> he <left> cause <laughs> shit <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, but um, yeah. yeah, they're not a mention, not a mention. Yeah. And the team, like, there's a freshness and an energy, and even watching them as well. Even before the match, small things are that, that you only see when you're there. They go down before the fans, in front of the fans. I think he used to do it at Celtic, but get the huddle going. The warm up, they do this little, um, they, they split up into pairs, and it's the partnerships that pair up with little, um, it's only a little passing drill, but they pair up, it's like me and you. Chris and Paul or whoever you know right. so it's Son and Madison Romero and Van de Veen uh, Basuma and Saar the partnerships that are on the pitch that they're building constantly and it's all hugging and, and high-fiving each other and, <laughs> and pals and friends and like in Madison's going around in charge of all that and getting them going but the impact he's had as well and the biggest thing about Spurs 
I did. We did meet them all. The young fella met them all. They're all sound. So I love them even more. <laughs> yeah, so it was great. Yeah. So Jane, little Harry's in a good place right now. Little Harry's happy man. Yeah, <laughs> very happy. Um, and, and the other results, I suppose, West Ham two, Newcastle two. Uh, a lot of people thought Newcastle would have a hangover from the glorious Champions oh. League victory over PSG last week, when they absolutely destroyed them at St James's Park in front of a really passionate Newcastle uh, uh, attendance uh, for one. Um, it was a potential banana skin. West Ham went 1-0 up. Uh, Newcastle hit back 2-1. Finished 2-all. Your impressions on, on Newcastle under Eddie Howe, Chris, and and the season ahead looking forward? Yeah, I mean, look, um, Howe's done a good job. Um, the squad now looks very, very good. That Newcastle squad is very nice. Like Gamaris has extended his contract. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Great player, him. Yeah, he's really, really good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like Newcastle are now stepping into an area that they're not familiar with, which is having a lot of competitions on at the same time and keeping the squad fresh and everybody on the same page. Um, obviously, the PSG uh, went absolutely fantastic. Definitely gave not only the players, but the fans uh, an experience of a lifetime there. You know, that's something that, you know, you get once. Um, but we'll see how Newcastle do moving forward. Um, in the league, I don't see them being consistent the whole way through the season. I don't know. Um, and is it because of the Champions League? Yeah, yeah. Thing? yeah. And I think uh, as well, you know, like they've done well so far, but I'm looking forward to seeing um, how they do, if they do well, true group stages into like the, let's say if they get to quarterfinals, something like that, see how they how they get. Because we all know when you're playing that Champions League football at the high end, it's 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 um, it's very dangerous stuff. Yeah, it's emotionally draining yeah, and yeah. physically draining. And, and, and that, all you're that. right about the hangover. There was a hangover because they, their game is based on that running power and their energy. And um, they ran all over PSG last week. They were brilliant. <sighs> yeah. Literally ran all over them and PSG couldn't deal with it. Um, but then, as you say, what that takes out of you and to try and go again away from home, Upton Park, very West Ham. Difficult. And they're a good yeah. team. West Ham, yeah. very good as well. Mm. Um it was only till the second half that they almost kind of got their second wind and got and went and, and had that energy and got a couple of goals. But that will be the struggle for Newcastle in terms of trying to juggle the two, which can be for, they're only new to it. You yeah. have to become seasoned campaigners nearly to be doing that and get used to it. So, uh, But they're in a really good place. Like Eddie Howe's done a phenomenal job there. You mean Jason Tindall? <laughs> Sorry, we keep going back to that. <laughs> uh, another another result, uh, another potential top four uh, team this year. Uh, another draw. They were all draws uh, after the Saturday, so all the games on Sunday and Monday were draws. Um, no, it wasn't. Arsenal beat Man City one 0 What are we talking about? Al? There was a good few anyway, draws, though, yeah. There was a one all <laughs> draw between Wolves and Aston Villa. Aston Villa look really, really good uh, under under Emery. Who mm. we I know we've spoken about this already, Al. He's done a phenomenal job. Um, but I'd like to talk about Gary O'Neill and the job he's doing at Wolves. Um, Wolves, a lot of people tipped him to go down. I was one of them. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought him up because he's done a brilliant job. When you think he was only in the door a few days before the season started. Mm. And when you contrast, look where Bournemouth are at the moment. Yeah, this is it. Unbelievable. Like yeah. it's And he done a, such a brilliant job at Bournemouth because Bournemouth would have been tipped, nailed on to go down last year. And he done a brilliant job in keeping them up and doing well and playing good football at times. Um, and for him to lose his job in the manner that he did, I thought that was a disgrace, to yeah. be honest with you. He got the opportunity now at Wolves and he's, he's having his imprint on that. They were brilliant tonight. You go back to the opening day of the season and there's been performances where they've been excellent in games and not got the points. Obviously, they beat Man City, which was massive last week. Um, and then to draw with Villa, because Villa, as you say, rightly say, are electric at the moment as well. And Neto has been brilliant, hasn't he? Like, yeah, obviously, a full... Like, a Neto was one of those when, when he burst on the scene first. You're thinking, 
he'll be a year or two at Wolves and one of the big clubs mm. will take him he was that good obviously he's had his injury problems but he looks like he's slowly but surely getting back to his best now he did miss a great opportunity and I think it was at one, one all at, at yeah. the weekend um, but the, the, the run he made to set up the goal as well he's a brilliant player but, Ga- but Gary O'Neill 100% Eric has done an absolutely brilliant job and I'm so glad for him because uh, the way he lost his job at Bournemouth and you look at Bournemouth right now I'd say the fans are saying scratching their heads. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the the new manager was brought in because he was seen as the not to put a, a label on him, but he, in the press they were calling him the new Deserby, and they had his their eyes on him from a long time. They yeah. knew that they were going to get this man in, and Gary O'Neill was was unfortunately pushed out of the door to bring this guy in. And mm-hmm. at the moment, it could be that it's his first season in English football. He's getting used to the to the, to the Premier League. Yeah, you have to be allowed a, li- a little bit of time in that regard. But just in terms of the contrast from where they were last year under Gary O'Neill, and then him to go to Wolves doing what he's doing, and you look at Bournemouth. Yeah, it's, there's a huge contrast there. Um, I want to uh, move away from the Premier League. We've had a, we we discussed in depth the Premier League now for teams that we didn't discuss there. Actually, before we leave, there is one team we should discuss. And are they back? Are Chelsea a force again? Sterling looked good. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Um, Not named in the England squad, but he still looks like he's playing well. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he has a player who. Um, I mean, Sterling's had inconsistencies for a long time. Um, even in, in the City squad, um, Guardiola chose to kind of replace him over time. Uh, kind of slowly kind of filtered him out of the squad. Um, but going to Chelsea, um, yeah, he, he came into his own on the weekend. He was absolutely phenomenal. Involved in, I think, nearly every single goal. Yeah. Um, really, really good. And I think Chelsea are... They have a bit of hype around them now. I mean, obviously, they've had a, a disaster for, for, for a while now. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? It's amazing that, you know, I mean, two weeks ago we were going... My God, will he last till Christmas? And, and I thought, of the year. yeah, even when we were having them chats, Eric, I thought like he's gonna eventually turn it around. Yeah, and I don't even mean turn it around as if like they're gonna take over for Man City or Arsenal. It was always gonna take time, but definitely turn it around in that they'd be back up where they should be and challenging in that top four. And um, Mudrick got his first goal last week. Yeah, and, and they yeah. played really well that night yeah. as well. Um, I watched that game against Fulham on the on the Monday night, and then to follow that up. Games that should be winning, bear in mind, yeah, Burnley and Fulham. But because of the run that they were on, obviously there was a question marks, as you say, people were suggesting would he even last. He was always going to last. But the problems, and this is where people, sometimes you only look at Saturday at three o'clock on a result. What he inherited was an absolute mess. So he was trying to have to work wonders in terms of Monday to Friday with the issues that were going on at the club and then try and prepare a team to get ready for Saturday as well. So there was probably a lot going on and there still is a lot going on that he's probably having to uh, weave his way through. But just in terms of the last couple of games, you can see a bit of shape on the team. The midfield, Fernandez and Casado and Gallagher were very good in the Monday night game as well. Uh, I didn't see the game at the weekend, just the highlights as well. But uh, games they should be winning, but I always felt Pochettino. He's a really good manager. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. mentioned Sterling there. I think Pochettino would be brilliant for Sterling because he has that man management qualities that he put his arm around someone like Sterling and mind him and look after him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he has those qualities, Pochettino. Okay, that's the Premier League done and dusted. We will move on to the uh, it's international break. Mm. It's back in the uh, on the Stephen Kenny uh, gravy train again. Uh, Ireland play Greece on Friday night in the Aviva. Um, it's been a disappointing campaign. There's no ways of dressing it up. Um, what's we've two games? We've got Greece at home, Gibraltar on Monday. Uh, what are your expectations going into them games, Chris? What do you, what do you hope to see in the in the two games? <laughs> well, I mean, look. I won't lie to you. In in the last game um, against the Netherlands, I was I was very impressed in the the pressing play that we were doing. Um, it was great to see Adamida battling with Van Dijk for the ball. Uh, Benny on the wing as well. Once again, we were talking earlier about that kind of forward pressure he has. And uh, even um, 
like I think what what the Ireland squad can do even against better teams. So coming against Gibraltar, hopefully we'll we'll do well against them. Is um, you know we may not have the the talent of the other teams and the high level players, but what we do well is, is that pressure football where we get everybody behind the ball and we push from forward and make the other team make mistakes. And I feel like in the Netherlands game at least, uh, I was really really happy with, with how they done that. Um, and I think going into this uh, game on Friday against Greece, that uh, if we play that kind of same same kind of football, um, we should win. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting point. We were very good pressing against the Dutch, I think for about half an hour, 40 minutes, and then mm. the Dutch kind of... It slowed off a bit, though, yeah, Yeah, they, sure. I mean, it, it was nearly impossible to sustain that level of intensity. But um, I suppose the difference for me, Alan, going into this game on Friday, um, uh, in terms of getting a win and producing the performances, Adam Da, I thought, had a really good game against uh, Holland. It was one of his better games. Mm. Uh, got the goal, delighted for him, pressed really well. He upset Van Dijk. But we've got Evan coming back in now on Friday. Yeah. And I just think that's going to make a massive difference to that team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was, I suppose, why we were all a bit down going into those games, well, even though they did well. But he was coming off the back of the hat-trick and that was the week leading up to the game yeah, and we were thinking, yeah. can he have a real impact in these games? And we need him and we want him. And if he could produce anything like the form he was shown, it would be great for us. And of course, then he misses out. So to have him back is a, is a big plus. Um, I don't think he scored funny enough since the hat trick. Yeah, and I know he's he's been injured and he missed a couple of games, but the two or three games that he's been back and deserve. He's taken off after taken, an hour against yeah. Liverpool at the weekend. So uh, yeah. again, they're minding him and protecting him, I'm sure. But for us to have a player of that quality, I know he's very young, and I, I I've, I'm always conscious of the fact of how young he is and not pinning too much responsibility on his shoulders, but. He is the player that's playing at a really high level and, and one that I suppose we don't have too many of those and, and and we need him to perform. But the one for me, we mentioned Mogbeni, like going into this, is having a really good run at Luton at the moment as well. And if he can bring that form in, so all of a sudden you've Ogbeni, Ferguson, um, adds a whole different dimension to that attack as well. So hopefully for Stephen's sake, we want to see him get a win because uh, I know there's a bit of a cloud hanging over at the moment and people thinking, is it coming to the end? Is this it? Uh, I know we'll see out the campaign. But who knows, Eric, if you were to beat Greece, beat Gibraltar, you have six points on the board, does it open up another debate then again about maybe Stephen potentially staying on? Who knows? But just for, if that debate does occur, he has to get six points out of these two games for him to have any chance of keeping the job. Minimum. Minimum six yeah. points. I don't think even a draw and win against Gibraltar will save him or keep him in the job. If he wants to reopen that debate and, be and, and put his case forward, <laughs> he has to win these two games. Yeah. So that we're going into the Holland game on a high six points. As I say, the debate would be all going again. And, and then the debate would go to, if we had the six points, I know I'm jumping the gun a bit here, but if we had the six points, all the narrative going into that Dutch game will be, if we beat Holland, Stephen, we'll keep him on. Yeah. So yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 who knows? Like, once there's a decision not made, and I don't think it's made yet, as the FEI are still saying he'll wait till the end, if he was to win all the games, who's to say he won't keep his job then? Yeah, it's a valid point. Would you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I feel like he, he's against um, two sides coming up that he should get the win for realistically. Well, um, Greece are good now. I wouldn't say he should get the yeah. win. Greece are decent. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just... But at home, I just we, we, for, him to, for him to... Yeah. Yeah, especially and with points. Ferguson coming back as well. It's it's what I'm saying. I feel like we, we maybe maybe not the win, but a result at least. Do you know what I mean? Something against Greece, even a draw would be all right. But um, yeah, it's definitely um, like you were saying. There's a cloud over his head uh, right now, so um, he needs all the positivity in these next two games going forward, and and then we'll see what happens with him. Would you keep him? Would you like to keep him? On? Um, I I don't know. It's kind of tough to say. It really really is because. You get some moments where you're like, oh, the Ireland squad's playing a bit of football now. It is actually great to see. And then you've other moments where you see silly mistakes and, and you're like, 
you come up, sometimes we have games against obviously higher clubs or well higher international teams and we're like oh, we're completely out of our depth here so it's 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 kind of a hard one to judge well, what do you guys make I think I suppose it, what, 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 what's well, we've, we've always been for him yeah. so from day one and we were delighted yeah. all that stuff like not going over all ground but we, we always want him we just think it's at the stage where the results and the campaign has been disappointing yeah. and that's what brings the pressure on and whatever about losing to France and whatever like we're never going to beat them but yeah the Greece game away from home and stuff like that that's where it brings the pressure on him and, yeah. and causes the conversation then to turn the other way so but that's my point about like even after the last double header I said Derek here I feel as though this could be coming to an end like it's it's not looking good but here we are now three days out or four days out from that game and as I say if he was to win because there's still no decision made no. if he was to win the two games maybe that debate reopens and, and we'll have it then but um, so so he ha- he's still while, he, while he's still in the job he's still fighting for it he was asked mm, recently yeah. uh, uh, very recently about his, his tenure so far and he says have I done everything perfectly no I haven't I'm not suggesting that but the broad strokes if we didn't bring all those players in and maybe pe- people think we brought too many in what were the alternatives and where were they you know so you can yeah. understand yeah and he's yeah. he's he's putting up his case and that's fine and he has brought a lot of players in I always go back to it that's fine bringing the players in and, and the teams that we're not expected to be what's what's killed Stephen is the games that we should be like those the Azerbaijans and not like, the teams know. that are ranked in and around us yeah, yeah and we're not beating them yeah that's that's probably and we've no like entitlement to be beating any teams not. you know like uh, difficult games we all know that but they're just the ones that bring the pressure on yeah you know um, so that's uh, Ireland I, look, listen I think I, th- I agree with you Al I think what we we need to be, for Stephen Kenny's sake and I love Stephen Kenny um, as a man and as a coach um, and six points minimum required this weekend and Monday um, before we finish the podcast it's very important that we look at the blue ribbon event of Irish football which is the FAO Cup the FAO Cup, Cup final will take place on November 12th and it features a repeat of the 2021 final uh, with Bowes taking on St. Pat's in the Aviva. Uh, the last time the two sides met, it was a record crowd, 37,000. Um, Al, your thoughts on the uh, upcoming cup final? Do you think it could be an even bigger crowd? I'm every bit as excited as you are. I cannot wait for it. Yeah, no, I love the FEI Cup. Uh, it's our showpiece day. Luckily enough, obviously, to work on it the last few years, and, and I do, I live for the FEI Cup, even the semi-finals at the weekend. I just, it's a, such a brilliant competition because it is that blue ribbon event and it's the one day we get the, the four or five hours coverage to show ourselves off in the Aviva. And the crowd was an absolutely bumper crowd. And I think it could be even bigger this time because... It's the final I wanted. No disrespect to Cork or Galway, but I wanted the two best teams out of the out of the four that were left, and we've got those two best teams. There's not much between them. Um, both clubs are on a real high off the pitch at the moment. There's a lot of positivity around both clubs. Their attendances are up in Inchicore all season. John Daly's done a brilliant job since he's come in. Similar in Daly Mount. The the news that broke during the week about the planning permission for the redevelopment that can't happen quick enough. Uh, people can't get in the doors of Daly Mount quick enough. So all the positive signs around the place will feed into what we're hoping will be an absolute brilliant game on the 12th of November in the Aviva. Uh, and I can't wait for it. I'm really, really looking forward to it. We've had two great semi-finals, huge crowds in Galway, which was great to see. Oh, They'll be a big addition back into the Premier Division. Similar with Cork, huge crowds. But I hope they don't go down because we need a good Cork function yeah, in the Premier Division as 100%. well. But just in terms of the semi-finals and that competition, the two best teams went through and the two best teams that I want to see. And yeah, roll on the 12th of November. Oh, me nerves. I can't cope. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still over six weeks away. I go, oh my God, I can't cope. Um, would you, would you, would you watch, 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 watch League of Ireland yourself, Chris? Or? To, to be honest, I have a confession. I, I, I literally don't follow 
follow League of Ireland at all. Well, I, I've been I've been waiting to for the right moment to kind of cup final November twelfth. The Aviva. Can I make an make a point? Content creation on the twelfth of November. Oh, yeah. in the Aviva. You'll yeah. fill I, your boots. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all for it. I, I I'm um, I'm very much. Um, I love the idea of you know getting behind your homegrown teams, but I, just, I haven't been able to find a reason to find myself attached to a yeah. team. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like as I said, my dad was a United fan, so I was automatically brought into the kind of the UK kind of side of it. So I didn't really have anyone to kind of push me into the yeah. League of Ireland. So I'm kind of oh, where, do you, where are you from? Uh, Mead. <coughs> Mead. Okay, yeah. so let me think now. You, yeah, definitely Bows. Bows would be the closest team to you. <laughs> <laughs> are you living in Dublin? Uh, no, I'm living in Cavan. Cavan. All right, yeah. I'm then dog as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah nah, don't, don't go yeah. there. Ground <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Paul, Paul's giving me the devil's Make there. an excuse. Make an excuse to go. You won't yeah. regret it. All yeah, right, it's, it's You a, won't it's, regret all right, it. All right. I think it's, it's, it's on the up. The game is on the up. And what we're trying to do is encourage more and more people. Yeah, to well, it may be that. Like, now, the Aviva, what you'll see on the 12th of November, you won't see every Friday. Grounds, let me tell you. But in terms of a starting point, just go along. Bring one of your mates. Bring your pal. Go along. You'll have an unbelievable day. The yeah. place will be packed out. There's nothing like it. The atmosphere. The it's electricity. Honestly, it's incredible. Yeah. And it will be incredible that day as well. Two really good teams as well. Uh, lots of young talent. It'll be great, Ark, won't it? Oh, it's... it's, it's and, and I was I loved uh, Declan Devoyne's immediate post-match interview at Galway and the emotion... Unbelievable. In his and that's what Declan his, brings. He does. And, and, the, and the Bose fans love that, don't yeah. they? And they feed off that. Mm-hmm. So there's a real kind of uh, relationship with those there. And not to mention an unbelievable photo that I seen at the weekend as well, Eric. <laughs> I want someone to look at me the way you look at Declan Devine and the way he and the way he looks at you. There was a there was a moment in time there on the pitch at Terry Lamb Park, and I was like, look at them, look at them. <laughs> oh yeah, the amount of slagging I'm getting over that picture is oh, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a moment we had because uh, I'd be very fortunate, I suppose, to get to know Declan since he took Good over. Good fella, and, Declan. Uh, you know, he's he's brought me down and showed me the training and all that. And you know, he's just a, he's just a great fellow. I love his passion, I love his energy, um, and I think he has brought a new energy to the club. And he realised very very early in the day uh, the importance of bridging that gap between the fans and the players. Mm. And now they're in total oh. unison. It's it's back to the the heady days of Keith Long's tenure yeah. in terms yeah. of the support with the crowd and all that. Um, I'm usually excited for November twelfth, um, but also. Tremendously, tremendously nervous. Uh, obviously, we want to get revenge after being beat. Of course, and it's, and it's yeah, and even you, you think of the build up, Eric, to the last one, obviously 2021, and it was all around Keith having had done such a brilliant job, but needing to get over the line. Stephen O'Donnell was only in the job of Pats. There wasn't as much kind of pressure. Obviously, you, when you get to the final, you want to win, whether you're there three months or three years. But for Stephen, I felt there was a lot more riding on it for Bose and for Keith as opposed to Stephen and St. Pat's and of course they came up short and and that could have been the beginning of the end I felt for Keith as well yeah. at the time whereas here they are again now and and it is so important and not to heap pressure on Declan or Bowes but they nearly do need that uh, but then you flip it over to John Daly who's done such a brilliant job and obviously we covered the game at the weekend and his stats are um since he's taken over they've played 19 games and he's top of the pops oh, really? top of the pops after in the, league? in the league they're one point ahead of Shamrock Rovers so it just goes to show the job that he's done since he's taken over um, so I think, I think a good reflection on John Daly as a manager uh, Al is that a lot of the, the narrative has been the Pats aren't playing that well haven't been playing that well for mm-hmm. the last six weeks eight weeks yeah yep, but they're still getting results yeah I even going into the game at the weekend they had their last five games had won three and lost two. Uh, so it has been a bit inconsistent, a bit patchy. But 
against Cork they just did enough they weren't great they weren't impressive but they always had that bit of quality extra to what Cork had and Cork huffed and puffed but they're limited at, hence their position in the table and the concession of 59 goals has been yeah. a disaster for them and obviously they coughed up a, a soft one after 10 minutes on Sunday as well second half Pats managed the game really well um, and they never really looked like scoring Cork but it has been inconsistent in the last few weeks but I still think there's there's a team there that'll cause Bowes problems on the day the so. same way as there's a team with Bowes that'll cause them problems yeah. there's not much between those two well, teams well they played three times this season so far one draw and one uh, win for each team yeah. as well and they've one more league game to go as well yeah, at Daily yeah. well that'll be interesting because yeah. that could be a case of Third, fourth, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's gonna happen because I think Pat's running is really difficult. Usually. They have Derry and Shamrock Rovers and Bowes, and, yeah. and I think Sligo Rovers is the other one. So, yeah. um, so everybody thinks they're nailed on for Europe, and it's amazing when you get to the cup final too. You don't want you to take your eye off the ball in terms of the bread and butter stuff. Um, so they've an important few weeks coming up. Yeah, it really is. It's an exciting time uh, in the league, particularly if you're a, a Bowes and Pats fan. Um, okay, so that has brought us to the end of episode 29 of House Football. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, Thank you. Uh, if anyone... Go, what's it? It's called the, the Gara Show. The Gara Show. The Gara yeah. Show. Yeah. He gets about 8 billion people watching him play games live <laughs> on Twitch. Go and check him out. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, a brilliant content creator. And we hope to have you on again, Chris. Thank you. Al, always a pleasure. You're a, an encyclopedia of knowledge and passion. Love the bones of your pal, <laughs> even though you love James Madison. <laughs> and, uh, 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 so I've been Eric Lawler. It's been great. If you have liked the com- if you've liked the comment, if you've liked the podcast, give us an now like on iTunes. Give us a review. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, get involved in the conversation. Leave us a comment below. We'll see you all again next week. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe.